if someone would time me, I'd appreciate that because I'm not going to time myself for 15 minutes with the five-minute reminder. Could Dawn, can you time me since I'll, no one steps up? I'll time you. Thank I'm you. I'm here on post over here. I'm a timer. Okay, 15 and then 5, correct? Yeah, please. Okay, no problem. You're there. Got it. Hi there. I'm Rena R. I'm a compulsive overeater. I live on the West Coast. And uh, to get the numbers out of the way, uh, I've lost 75 pounds. I'm uh, 125 to 130. I'm 5'5", five five, and I like my body. And uh, I really um, want to emphasize the um, support and help I've gotten from the uh, body image meeting, which meets on Thursday night, uh, relapse, uh, recovery from relapse, the body image meeting. And um, I just want to put a rah-rah for that meeting. Um, Let's see. I grew up in New York, and I uh, was a chubby, cute little kid. um, dark brown, curly hair, round face, uh, pudgy thighs, and uh, I was the youngest grandchild, and I was chubby, but the chubby became more and more chubby, and uh, I became fat, and I started uh, growing into or growing out of uh, regular children's clothes, and uh, uh, would shop at a store in New York called Lane Bryant, which I believe they have in California where I live now, and uh, Chabet was the brand name. Um, And I looked different than other people, other children, and I felt different early on. I felt recollections of uh, the disease was my thighs rubbing together in the New York hot hot summers, and uh, my um, my inner thighs, uh, the fabric, would get um, thin, like paper thin, because of of my fat thighs and rubbing together, and they would bleed at times, and it caused me pain and embarrassment. So I knew early on that I was different, that something was very wrong, and I had no place to share it with. My family was very uh, uh, dysfunctional, very sick, and uh, my father was a raging alcoholic. My mother was codependent. And the only time that I really that I heard any voices, uh, anyone communicate was ridicule. My father called me a fat pig and used the C word. And I was, I had so much hatred and hatred for him, which developed into uh, mental illness later on in life. Uh, so I, I, a lot of my childhood was very unhappy, but I had some happy moments. I had some family members that took me under their wings. They saw the abuse and and took me into their homes on weekends, which was a saving grace. But so the earliest memories, uh, so we didn't talk. So I, I didn't know how to communicate in the world, how to share my thoughts, my feelings. I didn't know how to do that. And uh, I used food for comfort and food for love early on. You know, and I couldn't buy my own food except with my allowance, which I would spend at the corner candy store. Uh, but uh, things got really out of hand once once I had my own money and started working. And uh, so I looked different than other other students. You know, uh, 
I wore big clothes and um, I didn't participate all that much in um, um, recreational activities. Uh, I, I remember I, my zippers would break because I was busting out of my clothes from the, from the, from the eating. And my zippers would break, and the 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 um, the, the coach finally taught me how to fix the zipper without, um, uh, you know, safety pinning it. You know, so I learned how to fix my zippers, and my bra straps would break. I, I was a mess. I, I was a mess. But I uh, I didn't really, in my mind, think that there was something wrong with me regarding the food. Uh, I, I just knew that I, I, I ate sweets and, uh, and my body showed it, my, my body showed it. And once I got into the workforce, uh, I had pretty high, uh, uh, functioning and uh, visibility in my job. I worked in advertising for many, many years. And so I had to look good and my weight would go up 30 to 40 pounds, uh, every year. And I would go into a um, restrictive mode where I would very watch what I was eating or skip meals into binging. And uh, binging didn't get out of hand probably till uh, a few years into before I got into OA in '87. And um, I um, I really didn't know how to be in the world, as I said. Um, I, I didn't know how to feel. I only felt rejection and uh, sadness, anger, was was being mad, and I ate over those things. I ate over those things. So um, my earliest, well, my recollection of of when I would get this the uh, craving to eat um, would come over me. Uh, let's say three o'clock at work. Not every day, but some days, and if, if, if I was having a hard time or whatever, or just a thought came up, it was it was uh, habitual. I, it was a habit, you know, that I that I couldn't break on my own. I would um, know that at five thirty, I'd be in my car and I'd be out running to the supermarket, and um, I would get a calmness over me around three o'clock, and um, knowing I would get my fix and I get in the car and I go to the supermarket and I was anxious and uh, uh, just had anxious, had no patience for the people in the store, people that were in line before me. And I throw in all my binge food and I throw in um, some skim milk and some cottage cheese. So people wouldn't think I was a fat slob, but no one cared. No one looked at me. No one cared. And, and and I was at the point where I really didn't care. And I would get to the check stand and say, oh, I hope Debbie likes these uh, kind of such and such, you know, and I was getting it all for myself. But there was shame and embarrassment, but I didn't know how to put it together in my head. I, I, I just knew that I, I had to have my fix to calm down, you know, to be comforted, to be a friend, you know, very lonely life, very lonely existence. And... um my binging didn't become uh, crippling un- until uh, shortly before I got into uh, OA. And I tried many diets like most of us have, you know, uh, pay as you go, pay as you weigh or pay as you go, 
you know, uh, urine from a, 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 a pregnant mare. Uh, I mean, all, all sorts of things I tried. And like I said, it went up 30, 40 pounds. So I wasn't uh, uh, obese, but I hated my body. Uh, I was depressed. I hated myself. And as I said, my father was, was a raging alcoholic and criticized and ridiculed me uh, to the bone. And I was a shell of a person. And I can tell you today, my life is joyous, happy, and free. And that's because of working the 12 steps. But I, I, I just want to talk a little bit about uh, the the ramification of living in that kind of hellhole. And that was, um, I ended up in four long-term uh, psychiatric hospitalizations. And um, I couldn't cope with life. Too painful. Too painful. And whether I was eating at the time or not, um, Many, many times, as I said, the business got worse, but um, uh, I was at a point in my life where I just wanted to die, and that's where I was when I came into OA, so I was willing to listen. But I had these hospitalizations, and and then there were times when the medication that they gave me wasn't working, and I had there was no hope for me, so I had 30 shock treatments. So I've been through a lot in my in my life. You know, I've had quite a bit of medical stuff. I had cancer and stayed abstinent. I had a kidney transplant and five years of dialysis, and I stayed abstinent. And um, to me, abstinence is the most important thing. I don't want to go back to that hell, you know, with the with the benching and the protruded stomach, the hard stomach and the back breaking and passing out and then being unable to pass out after after a while. My, my body just wouldn't respond to that. I couldn't fall asleep. So I would um, take Valium, and then I got hooked on Valium by taking heavy doses of Valium. So um, I, I was in a happy camper, needless to say. And um, so when things got worse, the diets weren't working, you know, and uh, I was disappointing people all the time by not showing up or calling and canceling because once I put the food in my mouth and, and it, was, it was, you know, hell right after, I couldn't stop eating. I, I would cancel all my plans and, and, and I was canceling a lot toward the end. I was canceling, canceling. So when I came into OA, I, uh, it was towards my last binge and uh, I normally would not go out after a binge. I, I wasn't the type to go out to get more food. I would eat dry oatmeal uh, if there was all the binge food was gone, just something to fill the, the hole inside my gut that was so so much crying out for, for help and support and love that the food wasn't providing and the food stopped working. That was the killer. When I got to OA, the food had stopped working for quite a while. And it wasn't giving me the calmness or the com- comfort or the companionship. It just stopped working. And um, no matter what I tried or ate more of or, or whatever, it just wouldn't work. And uh, so I wouldn't go out after a binge. But that that night, I had a therapy appointment. I thought, you know, I hadn't canceled it and I, I should really go. And I put on some clothes and I went. And I went in there and I threw up in her basket, her waste basket. 
and I started to cry. And I had been in therapy almost three years, and I told her for the first time that something is really wrong with me. I've never talked about how I eat, but I have to tell you, this is what I do. You know, this is what I do to myself. You know, I can't control it anymore. Something is very wrong with me. And she started talking to me about OA and 12-step programs, and I was willing to go to a meeting. And when I first came in, I sat in the back. I didn't speak. I was very shy. But I started to hear stories of people and how they ate and how they thought of themselves. And they talked about their childhood, and they talked about learning how to have feelings and grow and change in the program. And I started identifying with the people. I thought, my God, I'm finally getting to understand what's happening to me and what's seriously wrong with me. I have a disease. And um, I started to open up and got a sponsor. And I didn't stay abstinent right away. Um, I would eat in the middle of the night and my sponsor said, you're not abstinent if you're waking up at three or four in the morning and eating at night, are you willing to call anybody? And I said, yes. So I found a nurse that was in a nearby city and I called her and um, uh, she would take my calls. And when I called her, I wouldn't eat. And sometimes when I didn't call her, I wouldn't eat. And as time went on, as weeks passed, it was lifted. I gave it to God and he lifted it for me. And I started counting abstinence. And abstinence at first was very hard for me. It was just for me. It's not for everybody, but it was for me. And I white knuckled it. Couldn't wait till 12 o'clock at night to say I have another day. And um, I would uh, actually, I was told that it takes five days to get sugar out of your system. So I had insatiable cravings for the sugar. And I went through a detox. You know, I had sweat and shakes and uh, I would call people. I would talk to my sponsor. You can get through it. You can get through it. You know, just just hold on. Just count another day. Count another day. And uh, I started counting my days. And I and and I did all these thoughts and feelings came up, and I couldn't express feelings even in therapy. So I started to to work the steps and started to express myself. And I didn't know from mad to to sad. Those were the same things. I had so many resentments which I thought were ill feelings toward people. I always thought people had, had, um, were there to hurt me. Not everyone, but, but in, in office situations and coworkers and, and whatnot. And I would ruminate in my head what I would say the next day or when I would see them. And I'd wake up in the middle of the night, ruminating, ruminating, obsessing, obsessing, obsessive thoughts. Because the disease is in the head. It, it's not only a physical manifestation, but it's in the head. And um, so, um, where was I with this? Uh, it's a disease, uh, it's a spiritual disease. And uh, so I, I got into the rooms and started, oh, so I started counting abstinence. So at first it was rough, but after I got through the, the first five days of detoxing from the sugar, I was starting to clear up my mind and I started to feel and it was rough, you know, but I do, I do a lot of writing and um, talking to people and, and I got through it. And today, thank you for the grace of God. I'm 35 years abstinent one day at a time. 
And to me, abstinence is the most important thing. I mentioned that before. Without it, I'd go back to the hell that I lived. Uh, as I said, I was a shell of a person. I was always very loving and kind. I always had that inside of me since I was a little girl. And it came out and flourished as I started working the steps. And um, fast forward, the most important thing is is maintaining my abstinence and uh, working steps 10, 11, and 12, as, as, as we call them, the maintenance steps, and working with others. That's what keeps me sober and abstinent. And I sponsor several women. And uh, it's a joy. It's a gift that, that they give me. Uh, we talk, you know, and uh, they share the 10 steps with me every night. And it's really, you know, a God-given gift to be able to give back. And the, te- the program talks about giving back. You know, we can't keep it if we don't give back. And I have a God today, and I didn't always have a God. I, I uh, joined uh, a, an OA group about two and a half years ago that works this up very quickly. And I got a much better and a new sponsor and a much better understanding of a loving God. And to, today, God is with me on a daily basis. I feel the presence. I'm guided. I I just live joyously. You know, um, I have enough money. I, I have enough health, you know, um, which is most important people in my life, you know. And uh, I couldn't say that 35 years ago when I came in. So the program really works. And um, with that, I'll pass. I'll give out my number. I'm a recovered sponsor, if anyone want to talk about sponsoring, I'm here to help. My number is 626-253-2851. Thank you for allowing me to share. May I share? 